Everybody joining me this week on the podcast is Matt Lowe, writer and editor for Lindy Sports Magazine. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining the podcast this week. Hey, Philip, I appreciate you having me, buddy. Oh yeah, you know, and I told you this all fair. I feel it's like a, I'm like a little kid at Christmas time when I see the Lindy Sports Magazine come out, the preseason annuals, because I just know we've we've made it. We're we're getting close. It is almost the the dreaded off season is getting close to being over. So I always look aside to the magazine, and I love uh, reading Lindy's every single year. Yeah, man, uh, and you know it's it's crazy because usually in spring and summers, you know everybody's kind of taking off and going on vacation and. Uh, our springs and about halfway through the summer we're busy editing and, and producing content for the magazine and so it's a really busy time of year for us but uh we like that the spring games are getting done a little bit earlier that kind of helps us out as far as content goes uh you know but it, it's kind of tricky now with so many with this transfer portal thing which i do not like i think it's not good for college football i think it's kind of teaching kids to quit uh, it, it's kind of tricky about all the variables of who's leaving and who's not. So we just try to do the best we can to keep the most up to date uh, content we can we can uh, possible. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I'll ask you about that. You know, the, the transfer situation and get you know see if you mind expounding more on that because I'm kind of I'm with you. I, I, I'm 100 percent with you. At first, I was always I've kind of like always been a guy like I'm pro player. You know, I'm for them. But there comes a point where, you know, have has college football opened up Pandora's box a little bit and has started even problem because, you know, this ain't like the NFL where, okay, a guy leaves, you just go sign or somebody place him. For coaches, this is a big issue for them because, you know, a lot of these guys are now recruiting way past signing day. I mean, so you can't fill out with a new, you know, signee. So it's, it's, a, it's a complicated problem, I think, for coaches. It is. And it's, to me, it's like – and your numbers are crucial. I mean, we all know that depth is key in football. And, and like, for instance, I think it takes away, like, there are so many guys and so many kids that I've talked to that were like, oh, when I got this offer, I jumped. I, I, I uh, committed immediately. There's so many kids out there that would give their right arm to play for certain schools. And, you know, you might also have a guy that's a high-profile guy, but he might be a selfish player, you know, or he might just want to come in and start. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I just – I just think it takes away from a kid that really wants to play at a school and say it comes down to it and a coach takes the kid A over kid B and the kid that really wanted to play there and the kid that really has the drive to play there, if he gets not, he still wants to be at the school to play for that logo on that helmet, he gets left out. So I think we need to have a timetable on it. And I also think uh, I don't know what you do as far as extending recruiting uh, I think that's a little hard to do, but I think there needs to be some kind of time frame of when you can and when you can't transfer. That way, coaches aren't left holding the bag, you know, as far as players and, and your team goes. So, like, for instance, Ohio State, you know, uh, they had two guys transfer when Justin Fields came up there. Now, I think if Justin Fields gets hurt, they're in a world of trouble, you know. So, it's just it's a tricky thing, but there has to be some kind of uh, stipulations on what can when a guy can leave and can't leave, in my opinion. And you mentioned Justin Fields. That, that kind of is a roll of the dice for Ohio State. Because, I mean, we know he's talented and he should be good, but what if he's not? And then two guys that were good, too, have left. Yeah, and that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, Matthew Baldwin and Tay Martell left. I mean, Baldwin, I, I think he had a really good spring. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of question Fields myself. I know he's got a lot of talent and he's got a lot of skill, but I just, you know, I, I just – when you leave a program after one year, I just don't know about your mental makeup, you know. I mean, so 
It'll be interesting to see how he handles things because I tell you, if he if he's not the player everybody expects him to be, then Ohio State could struggle under in Day's first year there. Yeah, I mean it'd be different for Meyer was still there a little bit leeway, but when your first year coach placing the coach that won a national championship, that's going to be tough uh, to say the least. And uh, you know, well, I tell you, you know. Before we got going off here, I'm really curious, you know, about the process of the magazine and like how early do y'all get started on the current one? Uh, well, the SEC we we get that goes first always, and we get going on that in April. And and Anthony Jamino, he's our senior editor. You ought to talk to him one day too. He's he's a great guy. He covers Arizona. I think he's one of the finest sports writers in America. I've learned a lot from him. He writes our top twenty five stuff and a lot of our scoping stuff and our scoping. Uh, inside the magazine, kind of, it, it's a, a, a glance over the, the whole entire landscape of college football, the big topics such as transfer portal, uh, the, the big games, uh, stuff like that. But he uh, he organized the ratings of the teams, and like, for instance, he'll send the uh, top 25 out to me, to Lynn Scarborough and to Lindy, and, and you know, and we'll kind of say, hey, hey, do you guys oppose anything right here? I mean, sometimes I do, sometimes Lindy will. Uh, but, but more or less, uh, Anthony does a good job with that. He kind of he's an organizer of all the magazine content uh, as far as SEC national uh, college previews goes. But yeah, man, we start in April. Then of course the, the SEC team previews they're about thirty five hundred to four thousand words. So uh, you got to write all kind of stuff on that, and we do a player profile on those guys, which is kind of interesting feature on a certain player. Uh, we do team MVPs and. Of course, we gather intel of what the coaches are telling us and what the players are telling us, and we give our writers kind of the lee- leeway to give their opinion. But that's pretty much a pretty much sums up in a nutshell. And Lance Carbery, he helps with recruiting. Chad Carson over at Twenty Four Seven also helps out. They gather all the recruiting stuff. That's also a big part of the magazine too. But that's pretty much the bulk of it. But during, during April and May, we're, we're really really busy. <laughs> You know, uh, when I'm looking through the uh, the SEC one per se, you know, like the the individual teams, I really love reading the opposing coaching views because you know, obviously, coaches are anonymous here. You know, they're saying a lot more things than they normally would if their their name was on it. How sure. fun is that? Hearing that coaches really, you know, be opinionated when they know, you know, obviously their name's not going to be put out there that this is what they said. Well, the guy that gets those quotes has covered the SEC for over thirty years. So he, he knows what he's doing, and, and and you're right about that. And most coaches aren't going to tell you what they really feel if they're if they're uh, on the record. Except Lane you know, Kiffin, and like for instance, <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, and and, and for instance, like uh, the the Tua Tagovailoa quote uh, has gotten a lot of play nationwide. You know, and to be honest with you, you know, a couple of guys on three man front, uh, Aaron Suttles, he kind of jumped all over us about saying, I mean, we weren't attacking Tua personally, and that we didn't say that, but an mm-hmm. opposing coach. And it turns to find out Nick Saban is backing it up, and to himself has backed it up. So, you know, I, I, I you know, everybody's kind of sensitive to things nowadays. Uh, but you know, I, I think it gives some added oomph to the to the magazine. And whether you like it or not, I mean, so if that quote right there about Tua helps him become a better player, we're happy with it. But I mean, it, it's it is what it is, and I, I think it's something fun. I think something that people like to see. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, you know, I think, you know, Nick Saban did say spring meetings. He needs to challenge himself. So, uh, there you go. Um, exactly. Exactly. Um, looking at the SEC, I want to start with the East first because, you know, it really does look like, I mean, it's Florida and Georgia. Um, 
how close do you think Florida is a Georgia? Is there still a pretty good gap there? I still think there's a, there's a decent gap there. I mean, let's face it. I mean, uh, Florida beat them by 19 points last. I mean, uh, Georgia won by 19 points last year. Kind of cruised in the second half of that game. I think the biggest difference is probably along the offensive line, you know, and defensive line. I mean, I know Florida's got some pretty good players up front, but they they weren't that great stopping the run last year, and they're replacing four starters in their offensive line. Now they got some good skill guys back. I mean, Felipe Frank's back. Uh, you know. Uh, the receiver, quarterback, you know, got a good running back back. So uh, they should be okay there. But re- replacing that front you know, front wall is going to be big for them. And, you know, they might have a lot of talent there, uh, Philip. But, you know, I was talking to Cole Kubler about this. I mean, it takes time to gel along the line. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to play with each other. And I've talked with uh, offensive linemen in the league about this. It's like sometimes it takes you a, a few games to, to get – get uh down to what you're doing as a unit you know and say you're in uh say you're at you know at auburn playing a game and you're down by 10 points in the fourth quarter and the crowd's going crazy and then you give up a sack just because of miscommunication you know and, and but it's just one of those things but they got they got some pieces but i still think you know they're probably a year away from uh competing with georgia just because of that offensive line and and I, i'm not sure that they're still really really good up front on defense yeah, it's, yeah, you're right. Offensive line, because that's that's always a treat me about the game of football. You know, quarterbacks individually be good on their own. The receivers, each one can be good on their own. But for the offensive line to work, it's, those five guys have to be a unit. It's like a team within the team. Yeah, sure. And and if you have an injury, like say these new four guys that they roll out first off the bat, you know, uh, against Miami, say one of them gets hurt, then you got to rebuild again, or one of them gets hurt four games into the year. Then you got to kind of all learn as a group again together. So it's just, it's really, it can be tricky, you know. And then I get that center back, Nick Buchanan, which is a good thing. But uh, but that, but again, I mean that's that's just one of those things that takes time to 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 grow as a unit. And sometimes fans just aren't as, aren't that patient, and you know they get on get on you about that anyway. So uh, we saw it last year with with Auburn's unit, you know, all starting together mm-hmm. as a unit for the first time, and and how they struggled, but they got a little bit better towards the end of the year. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you look at uh, the East, you know, last year, you know, Kentucky was the third team, but obviously losing Josh Allen and Benny Snell, you know, you would expect them to take a dip back. Now, looking who, you know, Lindy's had ranked the top 25, Missouri was the third SEC East team in that ranking. For you, who who is that third team in the East that maybe could push Florida or, you know, perhaps on a good day, Georgia? I think Missouri potentially could. I mean, because they played pretty good defense last year, and they got some they lay around trees back. They get Kelly Bryant in. Uh, I'm interested to see, you know, how, how he is used in that offense in Missouri. Uh, you know, so I, I think they could be that. But, again, they're not going to a bowl because this, this – I thought it was kind of a crazy ruling with NCAA on them. I thought it was a little harsh. But I think they could be a player. Now, whether they're going to challenge, I, I don't think so. I, I think Georgia – and we think at the magazine that Georgia's kind of head and shoulders above everybody else. And that's kind of the way it's going to be. I mean – because Georgia's offensive line, man, they're one of the best in the nation. And uh, I think Kirby's always going to have them playing pretty good defense. Tyler Clark was a guy last year took a step back for him, but he kind of played hurt. But he's a guy that's back up front, and he's going to need to play big for him. Uh, and Georgia's also replacing some key parts in its linebacker core and its pass rushers, so that'll be interesting. But that Georgia offensive line is going to be able to control a lot of teams' defenses, and I think that's the, the big separation gap there for Georgia and Florida. 
Yeah, that offensive line, Georgia's guys, I think they're bigger than a lot of NFL offensive yeah, lines. Yeah, yeah, uh, they're, they're, they're really strong, really strong up front. I mean, over in the West, I mean, of course, Alabama's the favorite there. You know, just looking at, you know, you got LSU, Texas A&M, who knows what Auburn, you know. I, I like Auburn's talent, just that quarterback situation is like a wild card for me. Just uh, when you look sure. at the West, um, how are you seeing that whole situation? Well, I mean, w- of course, we got Bama one and LSU in second and uh, Texas A&M, which I, I'm not so sure we made a mistake on that one. Texas A&M's schedule is brutal. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got to play Clemson, they got to play Georgia, they got to play Alabama. They end the year at Georgia and at LSU. I mean, I, that could be five losses right there, you know. And then the game that they when they host Auburn, that's going to be huge for them, man. That's going to be real huge. But, and and you mentioned Auburn, I, offensive line and defensive. If their offensive line has gotten better, which every they were the talk of the spring camp, you know. Again, they worked together, and I think. You know, last year they were kind of under the microscope. Everybody called them out, saying they weren't any good. They got a chip on their shoulder. And practicing against that defensive line group that Auburn has down there is uh, is making them better. I mean, when you got to go over against Terry Brown and Nick Cole and Martin Davidson every day, you're going to get better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the word on the street is, is Jay Wood and Bo Nix are legit. And the thing with Gus Malzahn – I know that it was Purdue in the bowl game, but they look like a different team. They did in that bowl game, and, and you know, and I know they beat them. They could have scored a hundred points. And you talking about a Purdue team that beat Ohio State by twenty nine points? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I just like the I just thought they're I thought and their coach has got a chip on his shoulder, you know. But if those if that quarterback position, if Joey Gatewood, if he can run that zone read and bring that element back to Auburn's offense. They're going to be hard to deal with. And I know their schedule's tough, but they're going to be a tough team to beat because their defense is going to be good and their offensive line is going to be good. And they got a lot of talent at receiver and running back, I, I think. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think in the West, I think LSU and Auburn are the two biggest threats to Alabama. Yeah, I really don't. I feel like maybe not, you know, maybe not nationally, you know, but you know, overall the Auburn receiving core just doesn't get a lot of attention. No, no, no. I'm going to tell you, Philip. I've been going down there for 10 years interviewing players, and, and Seth Williams is one of the most physically imposing players I've ever been around up front. This kid is huge. And you know what? He's a good kid. He likes to learn. He likes to work hard. I mean, this guy, him and when he played basketball at uh, Bryant High School, they used to practice alley-oops. He said they practice alley-oops all the time. He shattered a backboard. He was a, go- he was a, a medalist in high jump and long jump. I mean, this guy's just a great athlete, and when he when he's in the air, he makes plays. I mean, and I don't know if they've ever had a, a guy more physically imposing than him down there. I know Kyle Davis a couple of years was a guy that kind of similar build, but he just didn't pan out. He didn't have it mentally. This kid's got it mentally, and 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 you know his teammates like him. Uh, he's he's kind of immersed as a leader, and I mean when he goes up in the air. I mean I don't know if you remember the catch he made against LSU. Last year mm-hmm. when he jumped up and made that one-handed catch, I think they waved it off. But one of the better catches I saw all year. And, uh, I mean, you got Anthony Schwartz, who's the fastest kid in college football. You got Eli Stowe, who can move, too. And they got a lot. They got some serious speed uh, at ride right receiver. And, and, you know, if they got somebody that can get them the ball, they're going to be they're gonna be a tough unit to watch. Yeah, you mentioned that about Seth Williams. And I went to A-Day, and I remember – I cannot remember if it was Bo Nix or Joey Gatewood that threw it. But, anyways, it was – 
there was double coverage. It looked like the defensive back was about to intercept the ball, and this Seth Williams went to you know point uh, you know up in the air. He he took it from him. I mean, just and it looked like like you said an alley oop, a rebound, like he was a power forward there. So his ability to do that, I mean, I don't remember Auburn having one like that myself. I mean, I, I remember Lawyer Tillman was a great was a great wide receiver. He could jump up, and make plays. Uh, Frank Sanders was one of those guys, but. But this guy's six foot three, two hundred twenty five pounds. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's a big boy, man. I mean, that's, I mean, name me a DB that's that big. You know, he's automatically, he's automatically got somebody you know overmatched in a one on one matchup. I mean, and if you can give the quarterback protection, which I tell you what, Gatewood threw some nice balls in the eight day game, and Bo Nix can throw it too. Now, I mean, and Bo, and I don't think people are talking about Bo much as a runner, but Bo can run. And uh, I, I noticed some things about him. The eight-day game, he uh, he's got a real natural ability to escape pressure and make a throw, and that's just kind of a God-given talent, you know. And and this they got another one down there, Matthew Hill, who redshirted last year. Clemson really wanted the guy uh, as a safety. You know, he's an Atlanta product. He he shined in the Under Armour game two years ago with Gatewood. He showed out in that game, man. And, and he's another one that's a big kid. That's that's. Nobody really knows about yet, but he could be a good player. And uh, so they got a lot. Of, they got some serious skill on offense. As, uh, Auburn does, and if you know these two quarterbacks can can pan out, now will they be on to go on the road and handle all the the, the nuances of playing hardcore SEC football on the road? That's still left to be determined. But the future is bright at that position, regardless. Yeah, you know, and before we close out, I wanted to kind of go back to Alabama real quick. And this is a question I've pretty much asked any college football analyst I've had on. And and, and I want to get your answer to this. And what's the biggest intriguing thing for me for Alabama going into the 2019 season is this, is how do they respond to what happened against Clemson? Because, you know, Alabama's been beat before. I mean, but this is usually close, kick six, you know, something crazy happens. But they under Nick Saban, they've never been beat like that. So my big, a big question I have, and like I said, I want to get your response to this is, how does this team respond to that? Because we've never seen that under Nick Saban before. No, you, you hadn't, and, and I think that's probably why a lot of his assistants got canned in the offseason. Well, not he didn't come out firing, but I think he's pretty much did it in a, in a candid way. Uh, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think they're still motivated. Look, they they, they still got a lot of talent. I mean, and Tua, Tua was kind of banged up in the championship game, which I know she's Clemson just whooped their tail. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Uh, but I think the thing to me, looking at Bama, their defense took a step back. Their defense was not what it was, you know, what it's been, the, you know, when they've really, really been good. And, and I think Nick Saban wants to kind of get back to grinding the ball out, maybe not scoring as quick. Now, will they be able to do that? I don't know. You know, uh, because, I mean, they still got big play guys all over the field, and their offense is still going to be a team strength. But uh, I, I think the key thing with Alabama is their front seven, you know, and their defensive line. Because just say Waycron Davis gets hurt or Anthony Jennings gets hurt or, or Dylan Moses gets hurt, they are going they don't have a whole lot of depth and the quality depth or, or, or take that back, experience depth. So, uh, But I, I think – that's why you hear Nick Saban this whole offseason saying we got to get back to our Alabama way because he, he keeps talking about they lost their Alabama it factor. And it's on the players. But they still got the talent, Phillip. I mean, they, 
we're stick, we're picking them number two in the country. Uh, we still think they're going to have a really good football team, but and, and you know their schedule is really not that tough. So uh, it gets tough for them in November, but I think they'll bounce back fine, and you know they'll they'll probably be in the playoff once again. Yeah, probably so. I mean, I know the talent's there. It's just kind of it's just when I see something I haven't seen before, it just kind of does. I wonder, you know, when a team like that, yeah, that happens. sure. Because when's it going to end? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So uh, it's going to be interesting, yep. and uh, be how they uh, how they come together, and I'm sure they're going to have that chip on their shoulder all season long. And uh, Matt, want to once again tell you, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, talking SEC football and the Lindy's uh, magazine with us today. And uh, if you want, anybody want to follow you online, where can they find you, and uh, where can they find the Lindy's magazine? Well, we're in public, CVS, Walmart, million. You can order on our website, lindysports.com. Click on Shop. We have a new store that's really customer-friendly that we, we've uh, got set up. It's really easy to order now. Uh, we're on Twitter at Lindy Sports Mag. We're on Facebook. So uh, and if, if you need to, call the office, 205-871-1182. We'll be more than happy to help you. And, and Philip, uh, once again, I just want to thank you for having us on, and uh, we really appreciate it. I appreciate it, Matt, and I look forward to talking to you again sometime down the road.